Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Dr. Christine Galen. Dr. Christine Galen serves as the Senior Director of Programs at the ION. And in this role, she oversees the development and execution of programs, including the ION's Accelerator Hub and Aerospace Innovation Hub for Minority Business Enterprises, Workforce Development Programs, and Academic Network and Mentor Programs. She also directs the ION's Smart and Resilient Cities Accelerator. She does a lot. And if that's not enough, she is also the founder of Plan My Plate, which offers leadership, management, creativity, innovation, and wellness consulting. Christine is a Teach for America alumna with experience in investment management, pre-medical studies, and educational consulting. Christine holds her bachelor's from Princeton University, master's from the University of Pennsylvania, and a doctorate from Drexel University. Her speaking, writing, and research interests include entrepreneurial mindset development, creativity, innovation, leadership, systems thinking, mindfulness, wellness, and apologetics. Enjoy today's episode as Christine and I talk about values-based leadership as well as adaptive leadership. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit. I am so excited to sit down with Dr. Christine Galeb. Christine, we heard a tremendous introduction to you, but for, I want to hear from your mouth. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience of The Leadership Habit? Uh, I want to hear about what you do, how you even got there, who you are. You know, we want to hear it all. Well, and Jen, thank you so much for having me here. This is it's such a pleasure to to be on on this podcast and and just kind of stand in awe of everything that you're doing. So thank you so much for having me here. A little bit about me. Uh, the first things that come to mind, I'm a nonlinear careerist. So what that means is that I've had a career in several areas and they've all kind of been maybe related, maybe not, but I've always kind of learned to navigate to the next opportunity. Um, and sometimes that means knowing when it's time to step away from something. Sometimes it means knowing when to pursue something else. And so that nonlinear career kind of follows me throughout my life um, because I think first and foremost, I align my whole life to my values and that's rooted and aligned to my faith. So from there, that's kind of my North Star, and then everything else aligns back to it. So nonlinear careerist, um, a lot of people tell me that I think outside of the box, and then I ask them, well, what box? So <laughs> the box. <laughs> I don't even see a box, uh, which must mean I'm a really creative person, I guess. <laughs> um, because, you know, to me, we all kind of are enamored by creativity, but it's really hard to define. Um, it's really hard to apply. Someone can think they're creative, but if maybe they go through some type of schooling experience or another type of experience where they come out on the other side and they think, well, I'm just not a creative person. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, everybody is creative. Everybody has leadership potential. Everybody has um, this entrepreneurial, innovative kind of mindset. And it's a matter of figuring out how your internal world, you, yourself, your personhood, align with your external environment. And, and you can, if you think about those two kind of in some type of dance or some type of interplay, what are the combinations in which the in, internal world comes up or brushes up against the external world? So creativity. So nonlinear careerist, a highly creative person. And um, 
I've been described as a leader. So that must mean that I have some type of vision. So either I'm seeing things other people don't or or I'm just a person, um, you know, going for a walk or something, thinking that people are following me. I absolutely, from hearing you speak, I absolutely know that you're a leader. I would love to work with you just to, you know, I'm sure even get that greater perspective of how much of an impact that you have in your organization. You know, Christine, one of the things and what we're going to be talking about today is value-based, values-based leadership as well as adaptive leadership. But you mentioned it earlier, following your North Star, one of the pieces that's most important to you as you kind of created that nonlinear career path is values-based leadership. For our, our audience, what in the heck does that mean to have values-based leadership? What does that mean? Yeah. And and Jen, that's such a great question. Um, it's so relevant to today's world. I, I just, <laughs> you know, obviously kind of facing the, the COVID-19 pandemic, but even thinking back, you know, not just the past year, the, the past 50, 60, 70 years, um, values-based leadership. So I'd say it's identifying your own personal values that guide you and then sticking to them. And and what does that really mean? That means communicating them to people um, because other people are never going to know your values if you don't live by them, act by them. But but if you don't communicate them with other people, they might might not know. So identifying your own personal values. And what do I mean by values, right? So the it could be the things that get you up right in the morning. What, what do you want to live for, right? What would you die for? You believe in so strongly that you would die for it and then live for it, right? So it, it's, it's kind of sitting by yourself and, and identifying those top two, three things that if you had to put your life on the line for something, what would that be? Um, or who, who might that be? So that's values-based leadership and, and, and examples of values can come from someone's faith. Uh, my faith is very important to me. Um, I can come from seeking the truth, right? This notion that the truth exists somewhere um, and then maybe we've just got to find that. Um, it can come from integrity, from acting in a way that, you know, if no one's looking, if, if no one's kind of seeing what you're doing, what do you do in those moments? Do you take the shortcut because it'll get you, you know, X, Y, Z closer to whatever your, your goal might be? Or do you think through what you're doing and you say, no, this, th- I'm not going to do this because there's something that's not right about it. Um, it's that self-awareness, knowing that, that you have some type of awareness of your own values and your own self and your own character and knowing how that plays out with other people when you interact with them. Um, a few other values of mine that, that I can share, a white glove service approach, and then an act like an owner mindset. And my very first career, um, I worked on Wall Street uh, for one of my first careers. And kind of my first day, it, it was almost like the 10 principles of the firm or you know some type of thing like that. And <laughs> the two that really stuck out with me were this notion of acting like an owner. So whatever you're doing, preparing a pitch deck, um, uh, cleaning the kitchen sink, right? In the, in the communal kitchen, um, you know, holding the door for someone, walking into the building, act like you own the place. Um, and, and that gives you the confidence and the mindset, not only of showing up with your best self, uh, but also kind of showing up 
to take care of things, to steward things, um, whether that's your pitch deck or, or whether that's removing the milk carton that's empty from the refrigerator so someone after you doesn't have to. Um, and then this notion of white glove service, doing everything that you do with a servant-based leadership approach for the client themselves, right? So giving, giving your all to make sure that the client feels the way that you would like to feel if you were in their shoes. Oh my gosh. I love, <clears throat> I, I love both of those because they're, they're just so essential, whether it's acting like an owner and even just thinking about if someone's maybe discouraged at work or they're just not sure where the impact that they're making, start acting like the owner, treat it like you own the place. And that doesn't mean going and telling people how to do things, but <laughs> take ownership and accountability for how you show up. And then the white glove service. I mean, I think that we sometimes, especially when you get into that place of maybe the client and the person that you do work for, we sometimes forget about the servant-based leadership practice. I think it's easy to apply that maybe to our employees, to the people that we lead, how can we help them grow? But sometimes we just look at that you know, business to client is just very transactional. So I love that you bring that into a, you know, a way that, no, we really can care and think about what can we do to create the best possible outcome. Sorry, did, were you going to touch on that? Yeah. No, you brought up a great word, transactional, right? And we don't live in a transactional world. We live in a relationship-based world. We live in a system of systems-based world, right? Where, where everything is a relationship. And I think we do ourselves and our clients, our customers, our employees, our peers, our teams, we do them a great disservice if we view everything as a transaction, right? right? Because nobody really likes to feel like, okay, well, let's just get this over with so I can move on to my next thing. And at the end of my to-do list, all right, I've accomplished everything. Nobody really wants to feel like that. So cultivating a relationship, I think, is one of the most important things we can do in our world um, as we practice leadership in our world. So I, I wanted to underscore that because you brought up that great word transactional. Yeah, it is, I think we miss it. And I'm curious, and I know we'll get to when we talk about how do you practice your values or how do you even start, but thinking about, you know, there's a there's a value that you can use to associate into everything that you do in that relationship that can help differentiate it from being transactional. But before we go there, because I want to hear from you, this is all about you. So how do we practice this? And, and if I think about my perspective as a coach, and I'm sure you've seen this too, sometimes when you say like, what's your purpose or what's your value, it can feel really overwhelming, but how do you even begin to practice values-based leadership? Yeah, that, that's such a great question. And, and you nailed it. You said it. What's your purpose? And, and it's like, okay, like the wind blows and the angels sing and there's this great big moment where you're like, my purpose, and flash, <laughs> right? Um, I don't know if you've seen Avenue Q, but um, there's, there's, there's a great song in there about finding your purpose. And that's, that's a very big question for people. So I would say the first step, and I've mentioned this word before, self-awareness right? Kind of bringing it right back down to the present moment bef before we start going with broad, big, amazing, bold, creative visions, bring it right down to the present moment um, and practice mindfulness. So I, I uh, teach mindfulness. I'm a mindfulness practitioner. I teach mindfulness-based stress reduction as well. And You are so needed right now. <laughs> 
it's yes. The the past year has been we, we've we've seen an uptick in the need for not only mindfulness but mental health services, and that's that's a whole other podcast coming. But um, but focusing on mindfulness because there's so many misperceptions of it. You know, oh, I, I've I've got to sit in this position, or I've got to have these clothes, or I can only do it. You know, if I'm in the room and and I'm ready and. I'd love if our listeners and if you would love to do a mindfulness exercise with me. Oh my gosh, yes. And I just need to say this. Does she, does Chris, Dr. Christine not have the best, most calming? Like you, you <laughs> naturally like can help me like relax. Okay, yes, I'm ready for it. So, so that you asked how we practice this. And so I was thinking and I said, we're actually going to do it because what's the best way to practice something? Well, to actually do it, right? Yes. So this is proof, you know, for all of our listeners and 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 for Jen and for for everyone listening. Let's just kind of bring it back down to the present, and I'll invite you just to maybe get comfortable wherever you are. If you're seated, if you're maybe standing, just feel grounded. Straightening the back, letting the shoulders roll back. Maybe closing the eyes if you're able to. And then just take a big breath in. And let it go. Big breath in. And let it go. And slowly beginning to open the eyes and come back to the present moment. It's amazing how just calm that feels. And how long did that even take us to do that? (laughs) By the clock, probably less than a minute, right? But that's just one example of how we can begin to practice values-based leadership. Why is that such a great example? Because we dial into the present moment, focusing on the breath itself, the very thing that links moments to moments to moments, moments being the building blocks of those big milestones, right? So mindfulness being a key way to practice values-based leadership because it gives us that window into the stillness, the quiet, into accessing our mind and our brain and having that space to non-judgmentally bring present moment awareness. So mindfulness is a great way to practice values-based leadership. Active listening is another great way We might have done some active listening in our mindfulness exercise, maybe listening to your breath, listening to your body, maybe noticing things like how your feet hit the floor, right? So active listening um, and and then really empathy. And we've heard this word empathy tossed around so many times. And I want to challenge us a little bit so we can rethink empathy not necessarily from a feelings-based perspective, right? There's a lot of feeling involved in empathy. Think of how someone else is feeling, but from a values-based perspective. So thinking 
um, even a phrasing, right? If someone says, well, I feel X, Y, Z, right? That's great. That That's your feeling. That's how you feel in the particular moment. But let's approach this through the lens of leadership. As a leader, saying something like, I feel, again, that's great, but it's a statement that is only about you, right? That's great. You feel a certain way. Fabulous. Great. But what about when a leader says, I believe something, signaling their value? Well, now I hear that and I can link my values to your values or I can identify, well, we don't have the same values. So, all right, end of story. Conver- you know, no, no, no further conversation needed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a little challenge for us. I challenge our listeners to approach conversations, not from the I feel perspective, but from the I believe perspective. I believe in access to opportunity. Okay, well, that's a signaling now because either you believe in that with me and we can move forward together, linking our whys. There's a lot of literature around the purpose and the why of leadership. We can link whys from an I believe statement but we can't really link wise from an I feel statement. Yeah, so it's a powerful bridging device that gives us a way to practice values-based leadership. I, I've i never actually heard it described like that before. I really haven't. So the thing in my brain, I'm like, you're right. It absolutely just saying, I believe, if I think about myself, like I believe we should have permission to show up exactly as how, as who we are, that someone else listening could then say, well, I might believe that too. That's such an interesting connection and in how you can build rapport, consensus, engagement, or just unifying people towards a goal. I really, really like that. Instead of just saying, I feel, which might, you know, take someone that's like, why are we talking about feelings? Right? Because we still have those people at work or, you know, but what? I, don't, I didn't well, ask how you felt. <laughs> well, it's taken me years to come up with that. So it's, it's like kind of the reflection of, well, you know, what is really at work here? Because you know, you've got the people that say, well, the facts say this. And you're like, I can't handle the 20 million statistics you're about to throw at me, right? And then you have the people that say, well, I feel this. And then it's like, well, I don't really care how you feel. Tell me about how I feel, right? <laughs> but then you kind of see those leaders and they don't explicitly say it. But what if we said, I believe this, right? So not the facts say because I can look up the facts and they don't, you know, particularly motivate me to action, right? Right. Not I feel, but I believe. Now I'm motivated and you've you've shown your values and you've let me link my values to yours. Oh my gosh, you're like connecting dots for me. There was there's a <clears throat> storytelling thought leader that we worked with and she always says her name was Kelly Swanson, facts tell, stories sell. And putting that together with how you just described it, if you really think about trying to motivate and bring your team together, this is another way. Your belief statement is a way to connect them to your core. That's your story. They're seeing a different side of you. I mean, think little fireworks of this is more authentic leadership. We're not just saying, hey, you know, the company is behind by 10 per, or, you know, we're down in revenues by 10%. We're not going to make that. Hey, or I believe 
that right now it's difficult, but I know that with the resources that we have, we can figure out how to get back to a flat comp or even better. You know, I love that it, it there's just so much purpose and intention and an I believe statement. Oh my gosh, Christine, I love this. <laughs> I'm trying to still keep it down for my mindfulness, but then, you know, my natural resonating place is up here. Well, um, but- <laughs> you're already touching a little bit on why we, you know, why values-based leadership is important. Um, yeah, so, so why, why is it important? I love that you're trying yeah. So so I'll say a few things about that because it helps the leader articulate not only their values, right? Um, Not only the things that are their North Star that guide them in this crazy journey we call life, right? Um, But it also forces the leader to come up against their own mental models. So Peter Senge, mental models, kind of the way that we see the world, right? Our internal pictures of how the world works. And most people don't really surface these mental models. It's just kind of is what it is, right? We kind of walk around all day with our assumptions and our own biases and everybody does it. Everybody has them. But values-based leadership forces us to discover, identify, and name these mental models of how we see the world so that we can figure out, well, from these mental models, which ones do I keep? Which ones do I discard? And how do I create the change that I would like to create in the world such that it's not just different, but better, right? So, so identifying your mental models really gets you to a place where you can motivate the people that you're collaborating with to help achieve the shared vision. Now, Christine, I want to I want to pull out something that you had just said because there's a point where when we reflect on our mental models, it gives us the opportunity to go with self awareness, which was one of the first things. But what does the discard process look like? Then, if you're like, "Holy cow, I have this thought, belief, assumption," like, how do you even start to kind of separate that from your worldview? Jen, you're asking a great question, uh, and this is this is a, ho- a whole other podcast because this is a really difficult process for people. You're asking, how do you know what you know? But you're also asking, how do you know that what you know is true, yeah. right? Which then really forces you to get into some pretty interesting exercises where you've got to hold up your own pictures of how the world works. And you've got to say, where did that belief come from? What was it my own upbringing? Was it something I read in a book? Was it something my friend told me? Was it something I read on Facebook? And all these different sources of information are now in competition with each other to help you understand ultimately, do I keep or discard this mental model? And, and that's what I think we should really be teaching in schools, but that's, that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> no, no, uh, that's, but it, yeah, cause it's hard to, you might even recognize something's hindering you, but you don't, I mean, I guess if I go back to the basic notion of perfectionism, we, you know, it served, oh my gosh, I can credit perfectionism for so much of my success until it stopped creating success (laughs) and just, you know, but it's still one that's hard to get rid of. It's really hard to toss that out when I've got all of this data validation. Hey, Jen, when you do this, even though, but when, by even believing that I have data in the past, I'm still somehow then, I think probably discarding the data that I have right now, that acting perfection with what I know is not serving me and my energy and my innovation and my creativity, whatever that may be. So 
what are examples of, um, <clears throat> or I guess what happens? So what happens when we don't practice? So going into there, like if we don't practice our values, if we don't know them, or maybe if we don't even do the process of figuring out what ones work, discarding the rest, what, what happens when we don't pay attention to this? Yeah, th- that's a great question because if we're not purposefully and intentionally discovering and communicating our values, we end up either running in circles or having no ability to find alignment and purpose. And, and so what do I, what do I mean by that? If we don't take, you know, you've heard the expression, um, you know, measure 5 million times, cut once, right? It's measure twice, cut once, but I go a few extra just to make sure. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, is that the perfectionist in you? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> but what if my measurement wasn't correct the fir- first time? What if I did something wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of say it jokingly, but, but that's where the process really starts is asking those questions at the very beginning and saying, before I rush to whatever I want to do, I need to dial it back and Go from my own values. What would my values say as they guide me, right? If I believe that access to opportunity is the most important value, how does that translate to this particular situation? If you don't ask yourself that question, you're going to end up, instead of following your North Star and where that leads you, you're going to end up somewhere else, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, then you're going to get exactly there, (laughs) right? So that's, I I think we run into a lot of problems, you know, when we don't have a clear sense of what's guiding us. Well, and it's, that's where I think the, the, like depression can be exacerbated. And I mean, that is someone that struggles with depression. Like, I think that can be exacerbated when we feel like we don't know, because that purpose can be so helpful in just motivating you, or at least helping you see a place to go where, and I think it's also good at, you know, even being able to reflect on your own self-love. When you don't know why you have value, then you might have someone else's value that you're applying to yourself. And that's, you know, I think you probably see this all the time too, like people are maybe in careers or taking actions that someone else said they should do and they're miserable. (laughs) You know, and, and, and I couldn't agree more. And something that comes to mind is Mark Twain's words, right? Where he said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why, right? The two most, I get chills just kind of saying it, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. It's not the day your parents found out why. It's not the day <laughs> your teacher found out why. It's not the day, you know, your colleague discovered why. It's the day you find out why. That's incredibly empowering. Um, you know, as, as we talk about purpose and leadership and, and values, and, and I know we have a, a few more things to talk about too. Oh my gosh, Christine, I want this podcast to go like 10 hours because I think there's just so much value, but even just reminding, oh my gosh, I just love even that last point about values-based leadership and think, you know, so what would be your final comment on that before we go into adaptive leadership? If you had to give one final piece of advice to our listeners about finding their North Star, what would you say? Yep. Oh, oh, I love it. Um, So uh, this is not my analogy. I can't take credit for it, but if you think of a GPS, The GPS has the data, so it can get you from point A to point B, 
but the GPS doesn't know why you should be going there. <laughs> You're the only one that knows the why. Yeah. So oh that's always stuck with me. Um, I love that. You can, and I think that reminds you too, that life isn't an external action process. You know, we can't, we can set these goals that are outside of ourselves. We can accomplish these great things, but we still have to do that individual self-reflection to understand our whys and our motivation. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going into, you know, we have 10 minutes to basically cover adaptive leadership, which I'm sure can take us hours, but Maybe we can do a part two. <laughs> yeah, we, right. No, I absolutely would love to have you back on for another one. Um, and I'm being serious about that. So adaptive leadership, we're seeing that more and more as a leadership trend. It's something that, you know, we know that we need to be able to connect with people to manage uncertainty, such as the uncertainty that we've seen. But what what is the definition of an adaptive leader? What does it mean to be an adaptive leader? Yep. And, and that's a great question. And I actually, I kind of live by the textbook definition. So when, when all else fails, go right back to the source um, because Hefetz, Linsky, and Grishow really changed my life when I read their definition of it. So I'll, I'll just kind of read it right off uh, from, from, you know, the, the actual textbook definition. Adaptive leaders iterate on observing events and patterns, interpreting what is observed developing multiple hypotheses about what is really going on and designing interventions based on observations and interpretations to address the adaptive challenge identified. Now that's a lot. So I was going to say that's a lot there. <laughs> but it's all inclusive and that's why it stuck out with me because there's so much opportunity to break it all down, right? Iterate observe events and patterns. So understand the system, understand that you're looking at the iceberg, but what you're really looking at is the tip of the iceberg, not the underlying reasons that are below the surface. Um, interpreting, coming up with hypotheses, being an inquiry-based curious leader, right? Showing up to the table, not with your expertise as quote, the leader, end quote, but with a mindset that says, well, all my expertise really positions me not to give better answers, but to ask better questions, right? So, so taking this inquiry-based approach to really put other people first and take that systems thinking perspective to identify and iterate on uh, and be flexible and, and enjoy this cognitive process of kind of bouncing around multiple ideas without converging on one and then interpreting what is actually observed. Can you take a video camera and just kind of record what's going on and say, this is what happened and then say, okay, now I have to figure out why this is what happened. Those are two totally separate questions. Um, and then that third piece, designing interventions based on obser observations, what you observed, um, not based on what you feel, right? Not based on, quote, anything else, but based on what you actually observed. So uh, a quote that I came up with very recently is, you got to learn things before you lead things. So you've got to take the time to hold that magnifying glass up to the system. And then you're in a position to lead the system. 
I love the perspective of learning things before you can lead things. If I go to my even 20-year-old self as a leader, I either wrongfully assumed I knew more than what I did, or I didn't want to take the time. I just figured like, I don't know, if I get to that position, I'll just get there. I was never patient about learning uh, or about just, you know, learning, yes, in the in the academic sense, absolutely. But the ego of wanting the, the promotion or wanting this was always the driver. But by this, it's almost sounds like it's a practice of if you just slow down, so grounding yourselves again, just like what we did with values-based leadership, then we can start start to observe these patterns. And the other piece that you had said that I I really found a lot of value in is you're not looking at your own expertise as like, look at what makes me great. But you're saying, okay, how can I take this data? How can I take this experience and use it to inform a different situation or to input on a different problem if we're designing something new based on our observations? Am I getting it right? (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Yes, you're getting it 100% right. I love that we, you know, I think, right, even by saying that you're not looking at your experiences, data, and successes as this endpoint to say, look how great I am. But it also then by saying that you're in saying like, I'm using my experiences to make something greater, you're giving yourself permission to always learn, which then fights perfectionism. So (laughs) I love that, you know, of thinking, why? And I forget the exact word that you used, but instead of, I had never heard it before, but, you know, curiosity, we know that that's important, but you had said, observe something. And I'm, I'm blanking on the second inquiry word that you had. What was that? Inquiry based. Yes. Inquiry based. I, you know, I wonder how someone's work day, how that meeting that you might be just dreading, or maybe the meeting that you're not showing up as the best version of yourself. Maybe you're a little critical or jaded and really applying that could change the way that you find solutions or collaborate with someone. What? How have you seen people really be able to leverage this or how, how have you leveraged adaptive leadership? Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. And I, I think the starting point is kind of knowing your own values, right? I got to tie it back to the values. But to really leverage adaptive leadership, you said it earlier, you've got to have a lifelong learning mindset, right? In mindfulness, we talk a lot about um, beginner's mind, right? Because when you approach a new situation, it's a new situation. (laughs) By definition, it's never (laughs) before. And I don't know about you, but because time progresses forward linearly, every single moment is a new moment. (laughs) So every single moment is a learning opportunity. And, And once you kind of take that approach, you begin to really leverage adaptive leadership to see the system for what it is right? There's, there's a great moment in one of my favorite movies, and I'm dating myself a little bit, The Matrix, right? Where, and I don't, I don't want to spoil it if any listener hasn't seen it, but I think you all might know the scene I'm talking about when I say, see the system, right? And Neo has this kind of new revelation, um, but you begin to see the world for what it actually is so that you can change it so that it's better and not just different. I think, you know, everybody wants to change and and adaptive leadership, you've kind of always got to be changing, but what are you changing to, right? Some things I don't want to change, right? (laughs) Other things I wanted to change yesterday. So what are you changing to, I I think is a really important question for us to ask. 
So that's, I, I think, really how we can leverage adaptive leadership is maybe kind of bringing our expertise to the table from an inquiry-based perspective rather than from a, a knowledge-based perspective. My gosh, that's one thing I want to walk away with this. Like, I'm not there to only provide my knowledge. I'm there to ask the right questions. I'm there to inquire as well as think about what is our North Star that we're working towards? What, where do we want to be? Uh, again, I just, I love that because it, it softens the expectation that I think leaders put on themselves to be able to figure out the answer, to know the answer, to somehow have foreseen that before. And this one is just saying, no, we're constantly just evolving. Um, every person you meet is your teacher and your student. You have something to gain from them. And I just love this. So adaptive leadership, you know, yeah, it's not just the, how can I modify my approach? How can I be flexible to adapt to maybe changing certain circumstances or an uncertain environment? It's also about bringing in the future and holding in a, a clear vision. So how, so that's where it's starting with our, our values again. I love this whole thing. Like we have to have both. You can have adaptive leadership, but that will very quickly turn into a tactical, I guess, action instead of it meaning something to you, meaning something for your team, meaning something for your leaders. Christine, knowing that we have to end this, which I don't want to, like how how would you, how, what would you want to wrap in terms of saying to our listeners, to the leaders that are hearing about adaptive leadership, potentially even combining their values-based leadership, what would you want to leave them with? Yeah, and I'll actually leave us with just two things, um, both of which I've said before, we've talked about, but but just the power of inquiry, the power of questions. So stay curious and ask questions um, and ask the difficult questions. Even if you don't have answers, don't let that scare you because life really is not a multiple choice test, right? A, B, C, D, and I would always look for E, other, because... <laughs> Be creative for that. But if there's anything the past year taught us, it's that, you know, the, the world can change in two seconds. So stay curious and ask questions and find your North Star and, and let it guide you. Because once you find your North Star, its light will shine through whatever darkness you find yourself facing. My gosh, I want to talk about that at length too, because <laughs> I want to talk. Oh gosh, there's so much. Uh, I have appreciated our podcast more than you know. I love even this heart-centered, servant-based leadership, but also very practical way to go about it. Christine, how can people get in touch with you? How can they connect with you? Um, where where can we send them to? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I think uh, we'll link up my LinkedIn page. I'd love to hear hear from you all there. I also am the founder of Plan My Plate, planmyplate.com. So you can also check me out there, but I'd love to hear from you all. Um, and she's being honest, reach out to her, connect. Hey, we can all learn from each other. And if you want to talk about innovation in a variety of other areas that Christine has deep expertise in too, you know, you can tap into it for a lot. Christine, thank you so much for just taking the time to share with us, to share your insights, share your experience and share your inspiration. I greatly appreciate it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for having me here. I, I it, It's a pleasure to know you, a pleasure to know that you are creating the change yourself that makes our world not just different, but better. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. If you want to connect more with Dr. Christine Galeb, you can go to planmyplate.com or you can find her on LinkedIn. Now, if you know someone that can benefit from this topic, please share this episode with them. Maybe they need some help finding their North Star. And of course, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.